I have the um, benefit, the joy of living in a very beautiful place in the world. If you've ever been to the Southwest or been through Albuquerque, I think you can uh, appreciate what I'm uh, talking about. Albuquerque's lovely. It sits up against uh, a very high mountain, the Sandia Mountains. It looks down over us everywhere we go in the city. And running through the heart of the city is the Rio Grande River. And on either side of the Rio Grande is an area called the Bosque. And it's filled with uh, green trees. And if you live in the Southwest, um, seeing trees is uh, a privilege and something amazing because we don't have too many of them. And so when you're up on the hillside and you look down, you see this green area, the Bosque, on either side of the river. And at this time of year, it's particularly nice because it's filled with cottonwoods and the cottonwoods turn yellow. It's not quite like the oranges and reds that you have in Pennsylvania, but it's still uh, a lovely change of color as, as the valley turns, turns gold. And um, uh, it's just a great place to live. I like to run uh, down from my house down into the valley, run through the trees. Um, and there's a particular uh, pathway that I like to go on that leads to this giant cottonwood. And if you've ever uh, seen cottonwoods that are really, really old, they're all gnarled up and uh, very big. And the trunk on this thing, for me to begin to hold it, I'd have to have my arms like this. The trunk is, is massive. And I'm not the only one who appreciates this one particular cottonwood. Um, uh, somebody else appreciates it, and they have, have a big ribbon that they wrapped around it. And then they put a sign on it and says, I love this tree. And, and it's just, it's such a cool tree. It's almost like a person, like an older individual that's kind of been there forever. And, and you just can't help but go by that tree. When I'm running, I'll stop, and I'll just put my hand on it and pray. Uh, it's one of those trees, and I hope you have a tree like that. The cottonwoods, um, the reason they grow there along the river is because they require a, a tremendous amount of nourishment, a lot of water, and so you only find them growing where there's a lot of water. But there's this massive old tree with this huge trunk down by the river, and you can stand in its shade and appreciate it. It's, it's a great thing. The other thing that we have in the southwest, if you've driven there, particularly in the spring when the wind is blowing, is tumbleweeds. And tumbleweeds aren't just like some of the ones that you see in the western movies, kind of little things kind of bobbling along. Sometimes you're driving on Route 40 through Albuquerque and a tumbleweed as big as your car uh, blows across the road. And, and when they hit your car, I mean, it can scratch the paint and hits with a thud. It's... it's Tumbleweeds can be uh, amazing. If you've ever looked at them, tumbleweeds are really kind of quite ingenious in the way that they were designed uh, by God to do what they do. They just have one little stem uh, in the base. And as the wind blows, that stem wobbles back and forth, and eventually it snaps off. And then they're round, and so that's why they tumble. They kind of roll where they go, and their seeds, as they bounce, bounce out. And so it plants it, their seeds all over the place. But the, the whole design of a tumbleweed is to blow where the wind would blow it. Why am I telling you about tumbleweeds and cottonwood trees? Think of the difference between the two. The one has very skinny base, and it's designed to be blown wherever by the wind. The other has this trunk that's massive, and it will never move. And it's 
rooted and provide shade. And the difference between a tumble, if you've ever been hit by a tumbleweed, they're kind of thorny and it's, it's a painful experience um, as opposed to the shade and the, and the shelter of the beautiful cottonwoods. And two totally different things. And yet that's, I, I see this uh, in Psalm 1 that we have today. And it's talking about the difference between the trees that are planted beside the, the streams of water like a cottonwood with uh, deep roots and a big trunk and provide shade and fruit in due season and um, uh, that image of that tree that's nourished as opposed to, uh, it talks about, uh, not so with the wicked, they are like chaff which the wind blows away. And I have a picture of a tumbleweed right there uh, designed to be blown uh, by the wind, wherever. And they're not really good for anything, uh, except they kind of make nice scenery in Western movies, but that's about it. Um, and so they don't really accomplish much of any purpose at all, uh, because they're not rooted and they're blown away. At the heart of this is, what's the difference? One draws its nourishment with these deep roots, and the other uh, doesn't have really any nourishment at all. It just gets blown around. Um, and that talks then about us. Basically, the question comes down to this. Are you going to be a tree, an oak of righteousness, as it talks about in Isaiah? Uh, are you going to be something that people love to stand under and, and wrap ribbons around and say, I love this tree, or I love you, because you're rooted and deep and, 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 and thick and immovable and steadfast? Or are you going to be a tumbleweed? That's the question that Psalm 1 answers. Psalm 1 is so important. It is described as the introduction to the whole book of Psalms. And so all of the incredible Psalms that we have, uh, you get summarized in essence, if you would, in this introduction, this summary, which lays out a simple choice. Are you going to be a tree? Or are you going to be a tumbleweed? And when you ask that question, we say, well, of course, I want to be loved. I want to be the tree. I want to, but what do you have to do to get there? And then it talks about, the line says, is their delight, those who sink their roots deep, their delight is in the law of the Lord or the word of God. Uh, their delight is in that. And they meditate it on the law day and night. And we read that. And the temptation then is to say, okay, I'm going to become a tree if I do the law. If I get into the law and I do all of these, I do all the good things, and, I, and basically, too, your brain immediately goes to, if I quit having fun, then I'm going to be able to be a tree of righteousness. And, and it's really kind of sad. But to me, the key word there is, their delight is in the law of the Lord. They delight in the law. They delight in the Word of God. They delight and they meditate on the Word day and night. That's another way of saying is they love. They love God. They delight in Him. Which brings me back then to another phrase, and this is a very Anglican phrase, and that is, you'll become what you love. So you become this tree not by obedience to the law and legalism, which is our natural tendency, but rather you become the tree of righteousness, this beautiful thing. If you love God passionately, you delight in Him. 
And then you become like him. That's the process that we're looking for today. And I want to talk about that. Why do I say that's Anglican? When we think of Anglican, so many of us get caught up and think, Anglicanism means you've got this liturgy thing. You come in and we've got you know, a service that's all laid out. And we, as long as we say kind of the right words in the right place, we're good to go. We're, that's legalism once again. What I want you to do is to be able to understand Anglicanism in terms that it was actually founded upon. You go back to Cramner and his original intent. And you get a hint at this when you go back to the beginning of the service, when it has, the service starts out with a colic for purity. And right out of the shoot it says, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. Key word there is heart. God looks into our hearts. And I think in some ways, that's one of the most frightening phrases that you can have in our liturgy. To think that there's nothing well, it goes on then to say, all desires are known and from whom no secrets are hid. To think that God can look into your heart, not just how you're dressed or how you are on the outside or what you're doing, but that God looks into your heart and you can't hide anything from him. And I've had thoughts already this morning that I just assumed God didn't know about. I don't know about you. But it's a frightening thought. On the other hand, it's exactly where we're going. Is that God looks into our hearts because that's what he cares about. God doesn't judge by the outward appearance. God judges by the heart. And then it moves right into cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Send the power of your Holy Spirit to cleanse the thoughts of our hearts so that we may perfectly... Love you. Ah, now we're getting back to where I was going originally. This is about our desire. Our love is in the Word of God. Our desire is to love God. And when we love God from the inside, then what we do and the outward manifestations and the fruit that we produce, it's just natural. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to worry about legalism. The key is to come back to love. And at the heart of Anglicanism is asking God to cleanse our hearts so that we can love him the way that he's supposed to. And go back to even the Old Testament and the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, and thou shalt love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's really what it boils down to. And that's what he's looking for that we may love him and worthily magnify his name. That's what we're coming here to do. That's the purpose of the liturgy. The purpose of the worship is to get our hearts in the right place so that we can worship God the way that he's supposed to and so that we can desire him completely and totally so that our roots go deep so that we become trees of righteousness. That's the process of what we're about and, and doing today. And then we go immediately into the summary of the law right after that. And it says, hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart. And so we're back to the Shema again. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang everything. And then we say this phrase, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Why do we say that there? It's because God just looked into the heart. And he knows that I don't love him with my whole heart, soul, and mind. 
And he knows that I'm not loving my neighbor as myself. And so I cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. It's only by your grace that I'm going to be able to do this very thing that I'm saying that I want to do, but I know that I can't do on my own power. And so I cry out, Lord, have mercy upon me. And so the process, I want you to understand the process of our liturgy, and it was beautiful what we did up here with Ben. To come out of the world, I was a parent. I'm a parent. I got three kids. And so Sunday mornings, I think the devil uses Sunday mornings to really try to beat us up. I don't know what your Sunday mornings are like, but because the kids are putting on clothes that they don't want to wear, and they're coming to a place that sometimes they don't necessarily want to be, they fight, and they fight with you. And so spouses tend to then also go at it on Sunday morning. And so the devil is using Sunday morning to beat us up. But yet we come in, so we're coming out of the world, and we're coming out of stress, and we're coming out of, and we've had a whole work of, of, uh, a week of work, and you come in, and our desire then is to be able to love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And to be able to quietly sing, let the Holy Spirit fall upon me. And then take a moment to step out of the world and begin. I want you to see the liturgy as a bus. It's a bus that's going to take us out of the world and it's going to take us on a journey to get our hearts right so that we finally come to the end of the service, which is Holy Communion, which is, let's face it, what is that? We've just left the world and it says, and now we come into the presence of angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. We come into the presence of God on this bus ride journey and along the way, the process that is designed here in the liturgy is so that our hearts can finally stand in the presence of God and do what we're supposed to do. And that's why we enter from here then into hearing the word of God. Hopefully we can delight in it and it can touch our hearts and change our hearts. And then we go into the confession and in the confession, what do we say? I have not loved you. With my whole heart, soul, and mind, I have not loved my neighbor as myself. So we're asking once again, we're confessing that we've dropped the ball on the very thing that we said that we're trying to do. And we ask God to forgive us and get our hearts right so that we can come into his presence. And so the liturgy is designed step by step by step to get your heart to the place where you desire and delight in God. So that finally I get to the point that Sursum Corda, Latin, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. You finally are offering your hearts. Think, I mean, in the old days, the, the Incas and whatnot, they would have living sacrifices where they cut people open and they take this living heart out and they'd offer it up to their deity. And fortunately, our God allows us to offer our hearts and we don't have to do that. But we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. But we're giving him our heart then, which has been cleansed and it's been washed in the word and we've asked for forgiveness. And finally we're saying, God, I'm ready. I want to come into your presence I want to come into the real presence of Jesus Christ in the sacrament. And I want to say, I love you. 
I love you. That's what we're doing as Anglicans. And that's what the whole service is designed to do. This is a preparation for love, is what it's all about. It's not words on a page. It's about love. Getting your heart into the right place. And I pray as you do this, take the service home with you. Take the liturgy home with you and circle every time it says heart and every time it says love. Because when you take all those words out, there's nothing left. That's a good thing. I pray today, I pray for you people being confirmed, being received, being baptized. This is all about our love for a God who loved us first. And I pray here today that you will consider yourself as trees, trees of righteousness. Sink your roots deep into, not the water alongside the Rio Grande, but rather sink your roots deep into the Word of God. And that can be done either through the reading of Scripture, but the Word of God is also the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ Himself. Sink your roots deep into Jesus. And learn, as the psalm said, to delight in Him. Do you delight when you read the Scriptures? Do you delight for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life? When you hear words like that, or when you hear words like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... Faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Think of the scriptures that just go on and on in your mind. And when you read them, what does it do to your heart? Does it nourish it? Does it bless it? Does it light it on fire? Sink your roots deep. Become that tree that when people look at you, You're not worried about the fruit you're producing, but you are so beautiful because you've sunk your roots so deep into Jesus Christ that you look like him. And people are drawn to you because of the beauty of Christ that is in you because you delight in your Savior. We don't want to be tumbleweeds blown about by every direction of the wind that are really good for nothing. We want to be those trees. And the pathway to that is not good works. The pathway to that is loving your Savior. And then you will become like Him. That's what I pray for you all today. The initiation into that love relationship with God begins with baptism, and that's what we're going to do right now.